We are a global force for good. Support causes that matter. Change lives. Change communities. Change the world. We can do more together than we can alone. Join in. Experience the joy of serving. Be part of the movement. Give back. Let's unite the world for good. We are lions. You can be too. Visit WeServe.org. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the Studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is joining us today on location. I always forget to cue up the song, The Second Week of Deer Camp, on this Saturday. (laughs) As Merle and his buddies are uh, in the Northwoods. And uh, you have been pursuing Bambi. Any luck so far, sir? Well, I've 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 let Bambi and uh, all of uh, all of her young brothers uh, pass. So, uh, though from the deer deer hunting camp, we could say we've seen deer every year and it's been beautiful, but uh, uh, nothing uh, nothing for the freezer as of yet. Well, you've got today and tomorrow yet, so there's we've hope. Got two days and it's a beautiful snow out there right now, so it's uh, gorgeous and everything's nice and white up here. We uh, we enjoy a great deal. It's beautiful. You know, normally on this weekend we do a best of show because Merle is is busy. Uh, in his pursuit up north, but uh, we, we talked about that yesterday. You suggested that with the market reacting like it did yesterday, maybe you should do the show live. And uh, so yeah, I, was... I thought it'd be a pretty good idea because <laughs> I thought we'd have a lot of questions going on um, in regards to the stock market dropping, of course, nine hundred five points yesterday, which which really is a, a, a knee jerk reaction. There's nothing supporting uh, any of this. In fact, uh, um, I actually got up a little bit early this morning and was talking with friends of mine who live in South Africa, talking about the variants. We were actually chatting about that, trying to get a little more insight and things that are going on with it. And so um, uh, what's interesting is is uh, it really appears to be a knee-jerk reaction. But um, now, for me wanting to go to South Africa in March, that might be a different story. But all in all, this appears to be really a knee-jerk reaction. Well, and, and that's the suggestion is that this new variant that has popped up, travelers from South Africa have apparently gone to other places, including Hong, Hong Kong and I think Amsterdam, and have tested positive for this new yeah, variant. Yeah. And that's the concern of the market, I would imagine, is that eventually it's going to get here, although we've already taken steps to keep travelers from South Africa and some of these other places affected by the new variant from coming in. So yeah. um, we're, we're, I think we're, we're better these days at reacting more quickly to situations than we were two years ago. Well, you know, I, I think what it is is, is uh, I think uh, President Trump at that point in time was right in shutting stuff off from coming to China at that point in time. Um, and I think there's, uh, to a certain degree, I think uh, President Biden is also accurate in saying, well, let's shut this off at this point in time. At that point in time, we had no idea what was going on and how to, to you know, find it or look for it. We have more information now, but it makes sense for us to simply say, well, let's take a pause. What is it? What's happening with it? What's, uh, what's, what's going to occur? How may it react to other things? Before we open back up, I actually agree with that statement um, uh, and that action, even though I still want to go there in March. Uh, but in here, uh, my conversations from my uh, you know friends and colleagues over in, in South Africa this morning is that you know they knew about this a month ago. Uh, they knew about it you know essentially beginning of the month, I should say, uh, when it was out there, and they haven't had any additional people either sicker or dying or, or uh, mortality um, any different than they had before, at least from their observation. But again, they're not uh, doctors, folks. Um, but they said that uh, you know they only have 20% of their population, some you know mid 20s, um, that have vaccinations, and so they still have quite a few people getting it and all that kind of thing throughout the countrywide. Um, but they said that they think the the media is overreacting with stuff as well as countries. But you know we look at it on this side and say we're well, let's, let's be a little bit cautious so we have more information. 
that makes sense to me. Well, that this was this was the I. this was the thinking from the medical community that if in fact we were going to get another outbreak, uh, it would come from one of these poorer countries that did not have access to vaccines as much as some of the uh, first world countries did, and yeah, yeah. it seems to be the case at this at least at this point in time. So the market reacted badly and dropped to what nine hundred five points, or at least the Dow was down nine hundred five points. Um, and normally in these situations, you would say that this is a buying opportunity, that things mm-hmm. are on sale. So if, if you're a person who buys and sells stock, then where are you looking? What sectors are you looking for those buying opportunities in this well, situation? Well, you know what? I'll tell you what, Tom. Um, I can certainly tell you what we'll be doing and recommending to our clients on Monday. You know, we, we look at what's happening with the marketplace that dropped down. Uh, and this really comes from an article from uh, uh, Mark DeCambry, who I, I like his work, by the way, on MarketWatch. And take a look at this, folks, because this is going to give you a really nice outline of companies that you may want to take a look at for areas. So in here, he took a look at the parts of the marketplace that fell apart the most yesterday. And the number one area um, that dropped off was energy stocks. And so we think about it. And, and by the way, Tom, I'm really okay with that because maybe the prices will go well, down by the time I have to fill up from being up here for this past week. I was just going to say, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a headline on CNBC. It says oil drops 13% in worst day of 2021. Yeah, well, yeah. not not worst day if you're somebody who's paying for gasoline, right? <laughs> exactly. Maybe if you own oil companies, yeah. maybe it's a bad day. But yeah, other than so, that. Yeah, we talk about inflationary pressures. Well, this might help it right now. Um, but we, we look at this, and, and one of the reasons that this is happening is, the market is saying, well, are we going to go back to as we were when we had to shut down entirely, where we're not flying and we're you know, not driving cars, we're not going anyplace, and so all the stuff that we have, all the prices are going to drop. And so that's where this is going through, and it reads like a, a who's who's list of what happened two years ago, well, nearly two years ago in uh, the February or March of, of 20 uh, that we uh, stopped the economy. So with that being the case, energy stocks you know, dropping off considerably. Uh, even crude oil prices dropped down 4%. Um, uh, on the New York exchange, uh, dropping down the spider sectors. You can just look at the companies uh, going right down. And I'm just simply telling you the names in this article not to buy or sell, but we look at uh, APA, you know, Occidental, uh, Devon Corporation, Marathon Oil, all down uh, large single-digit numbers, all dropping off. Financials, same thing about that. Remember, the financial markets had a hard time from a banking sector standpoint is because nobody's going out there investing. Everybody sat there and said, well, we don't know what's going to happen, so they stopped. Um, so we saw the banking sector dropping down. So the same thing when you take a look at the, the companies in there, um, you know, Comerica, Huntington Bank shares, Wells Fargo, uh, American Express, all dropping off into, you know, mid and large single digits. Uh, drug stocks, same type of thing with this, except guess what the drug stocks did, Tom? They went up because they think all of a sudden we need to start having more vaccines and people start buying that. So we saw Moderna going up. We saw um, uh, Pfizer going up. And so... We saw, you know, these shares go up. Travel-related stocks, I bet you guess, uh, can guess what's happened with those. Mm, yeah. Just dropped right off. Airlines, Expedia, all of them just dropped right off throughout the course of the day in very high single-digit uh, numbers as a large. And as you'd expect, the things that took off went up are the same things that took up and made a market for us uh, throughout the course of 2020, which would have been the stay-at-home stocks, as they're calling them, um, the uh, stay-at-home trade. Would have been your Zooms and your Netflix and that whole bit. We saw them go back up, and uh, I don't have Amazon in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet a buck that they went up as well. So those things, as we would expect for staying home and hungry home, all jumped back and forth and all happened on a knee-jerk reaction throughout the course of one day. Is that accurate? Um, I don't probably don't think so. Um, could it be? I don't know. Uh, we don't know. We just don't have enough information about this variant at this point in time. So I did see on the news um, last night they had an article with a – a physician and a doctor of some sort 
and so that we probably already have the variant here inside the United States is probably already here. So we got that going for us. Well, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned uh, the uh, the um, fall of the market yesterday and then the ability to go out and buy things. Uh, Black Friday yesterday was down. People uh, weren't spending as much. And we've talked in the past that they've got a lot of cash to spend uh, that they put away over the last year or so. Uh, apparently Black Friday spending was down yesterday. Is that because more people are buying online? More people will be heading to low, small local stores today. This is Small Business Saturday is what they're calling that now. Well, it's interesting. Uh, um, a lot of articles, a lot of conversations throughout the course of the past uh, few weeks about this. Um, a lot of retailers, including the, you know, the Targets and uh, the Walmarts and, and others, found that if they start having Black Friday month starting in the beginning of November, and just simply opening up their sales that they would have on Black Friday and opening up throughout the course of the uh, weeks ahead of time and online, they found that the stores were less congested and they actually sold more. And so the Christmas numbers that are coming in are actually huge, but the Black Friday are less because um, even my wife, who folks, uh, usually by Thanksgiving, by the time we're done with dinner, I turn into a bachelor you know, at, at that point in time after turkey dinner. Because her and her friends all run out and they go go crazy in all the sales. Well, a lot of the stores weren't even open on Thanksgiving anymore. Precisely. They've, they've yeah. decided that you know it's bad PR one and two. It's hard to find people to work, so yep, yep. why even be open? And you're hitting right on the head. So a lot of number of them opened up earlier in the morning, um, but the online sales um, have been fantastic. The online sales were already at what they were last year, and we haven't hit uh, Black Monday yet. I'm sorry, is it Black Monday? Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the expectation of Cyber Monday, I read, I heard this morning on the news, I think it was like $21 billion they're expecting on Monday in online sales. So the Christmas season is going to go down as, as more than likely uh, a record Christmas season we ever had, but just differently. So the brick-and-mortar stores uh, are doing pretty good, but you can't look at it in one day anymore because they spread it out over the course of a couple of weeks. So all, of this, stores, all of this screaming about how inflation is wrecking the economy and how the country is uh, in a shambles, and yet the, the, the consumers apparently don't seem to feel that way. They're out there spending. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we talked about that before, that there's just so much cash looking for something to buy, and I don't think we see the inflationary pressure start coming down until uh, we start spending some of this money. And so, Tom, as I've said before, go out. Go buy something. Go spend some money somewhere. Well, now you sound like George W. Bush did back in the well, day. Yeah. But... Well, same principle. Come to my house, buy something. Tom. What do you need? <laughs> um, you know, well, so like Mr. So... Haney selling stuff out of the back of your truck. <laughs> yeah. uh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, but you know, so the inflationary pressures are out there. Um, inflation is there. It's, it's probably not long term. There's an article we'll get to here after the break. I'll have it pop up. Um, but there's an article that talks about is inflation long term, and you look at the indicators of long term inflation, and they're just not there. But inflation is here. It's real. I mean, you go to the grocery store. Um, you go to the gas station. Inflation is real. It's there. It's absolutely there at the moment. But all the things that would tell us that inflation is going to be long-term, like over a five- or a seven-year time time period, it's not there. Um, but certainly points of, as though inflation could be there you know, for another year yet and having some of these higher um, inflationary pressures. Well, all right. We'll take a break here, and we'll come back, and you can touch on that article a little bit, and we'll talk about inflation because that's what uh, the conversation is uh, a lot about these days. We'll oh, take yeah. our we'll take our break. Come back with more. This is Merle Kelch. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Hi, I'm Morin. Why was it so difficult to move? Maybe my left side had just fallen asleep. I exercise. I eat healthy. Hi, I'm Adam. At first, I was in denial. My wife, Lauren. Give your kid a laugh. It's as easy as going to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. That's really funny. 
It's Must Hear Radio. On the left, the language they use and what they call one another. Mark Lee, Van Camp, and Robbins. Twitter is like just the absolute drainage pipe of human civilization. Right. Catch up on the entire week, Saturday at 3. Hold on, why are you laughing, Robbins? Because you were laughing. No, I was not. You- on AM 550, FM 99.9 and 95.1. You know, that's just mean. I'm not going to pile on. WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch on location today, but you can take your questions, 715-845-2155. You wanted to talk about an article you read uh, that deals with the inflation question and how long it's going to be around. Yeah, there's there's an article that's out there by Brett Ahrens, and it's an opinion piece that he has, but I really like the stuff that he had said in it. And the top of the, or the article is, is 10 reasons not to panic about inflation just yet. So I coupled that also with um, with this, and I'll put these two things together, not that they're related, but I think uh, the question always comes up when you talk about inflation as far as uh, what's going to happen to the marketplace over the course of the next, next year. So from one of my favorite economists, uh, uh, Brian Westbury, actually he really is my favorite economist, but um, he had, a, you know, of course, an article and opinion about Thanksgiving and how good it is and that whole bit. But he says, uh, and I quote, uh, so for now, be thankful. We remain bullish on equities and the economy. A bear market or recession for 2022 is very unlikely, but don't be complacent. Be watchful and be ready to shift, as always, if circumstances change. And so he put this out on Monday. That's when this article comes out. And so, interestingly enough, uh, maybe circumstances have changed a little bit for you. I'm not sure. But um, I don't think we see any recessionary pressures coming up throughout the course of this next year. The economy continues to keep expanding. Um, of course, uh, slowing down the expansion because we were off and then turned on. And so... Like anything else, it's like a refrigerator. It has a surge before it gets finally humming. So in this article, again, for 10 reasons not to panic about inflation just yet, he goes through and he examines a couple of different things and says, well, if inflation is really here long term, why isn't this? And so each of these are a paragraph, folks. I'm going to try to do my best to paraphrase. Um, but um, if we look at it, uh, we can see that usually the things that tell us we're going to have long-term inflation just aren't there. So in here, the, the size of the inflation, if we take a look at this, uh, we keep talking about a transitory. Um, they talk about the current size of inflation, how long will it last, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, they don't know if it's going to be for six months or if it's going to be longer, um, but we don't know. And so the reason we don't know is because this isn't the 70s when we saw inflation going up. It's different. And they uh, talk about, well, you know, we've been here once before. Well, it's different. Once because we've already seen inflation, we know what it's like, and we're not the same people as it comes along, so we don't know the answer to that. Also, if we look at inflation, um, all the bond marketplace keeps saying, the 10-year bond marketplace keeps coming back to inflation being about 2%, without getting in how bond pricing works, but essentially you have the price of the bond or risk of investment, and you usually have an inflationary number that gives you what the price of the bond should be. And for that purpose, it's showing that the inflation marketplace, uh, inflation in the bond marketplace builds into the 10 years at about two, just about 10%, uh, 2%, which not telling us that the 6.9% we're seeing now is real. So it's, again, telling us that it's transitionary, um, uh, that it's going to come down at some pretty good point in time. Um, if we take a look at the 70 styles inflation, you know, we're going to go crazy, but uh, the euro marketplace is also predicting in their short-term bonds inflation rates, I think I said interest rates, but inflation rates of about 2% throughout the course of a five-year time period. Again, telling us that inflation is not going to be there. If we think inflation is going to be there, we would see people hedging on derivatives and, and so forth because we know that those derivatives are going to go up for inflation and you become a billionaire instantly. Well, we're not seeing that. It's just not happening. 
Um, uh, so why isn't gold going crazy or cryptocurrency, remember, which is supposedly the new uh, inflationary number? Well, gold really isn't doing much either, uh, though it's, uh, it has been up, but it's down now 7% so far this year, and that's lower than it did in 2012, um, or lower than it was in 2012. So that's not there. Cryptocurrency, if we take a look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin was down 5% in the last 24 hours. Uh, to 54.840. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Bitcoin is down 20% since November 10th, in which it reached its high at 68.990. So the inflationary factors just aren't there. Um, we look at wages, you know, around the around different places, wages are going up, and yes, that's an inflationary factor, and it sticks. It's going to be there, but also certain things are happening within different areas where, though the wages are higher. Now, the companies are spending less on wages because of innovation. Um, one of the articles they popped in here, which I think is pretty interesting, I had this conversation here just recently with some nurses in our family. Uh, uh, nursing homes are starting to give uh, uh, the people inside of nursing homes Apple watches that monitor their heart rates and all that sort of stuff continually uh, where they don't have to have the people running around checking it all the time. So interesting uh, uh, innovation that's going through. There's also something that's happened inside of Japan since World War II, folks. Um, Japan's gotten older before the U.S. has. Um, and as a result of that, they found that older people aren't spending as much money, and as a result, demand's dropped. And it's actually created a deflationary factor. And we actually had some hints around that uh, during the past administration where we'd have some deflationary inf uh, inf stuff because we just weren't spending uh, money on certain things, and prices were actually coming down and coming down in certain places. Um, not at the moment, but uh, it was at that point in time. So do we go to that? Well, we don't know. We don't have an answer to that. Um, the price of oil, I mean, granted, that up 73% in the last 12, uh, 12 months. Uh, we all know it when we go to fill up our vehicles. Yeah, price of oil went up. But will it do it again next year? And will it do it again the next year after that? We don't know. Likely not. But the hints that tell us that we're having a long-term problematic inflation, they're just not there. I'm not saying it doesn't stink right now when we go to shop someplace. Um, but the long term are just not there. And so a fantastic article. I recommend uh, you take a look at it, folks. When you, have, your thing. when you have an economy that is so dependent on the price of energy uh, and that, you know, the when, when the people that uh, that produce the energy, the Russias and the Saudi Arabias and the other oil producing countries, can hold the world economy hostage like they're doing again now, refusing to up the supply to moderate the price. Um, and you've got like, what, I think eight or nine or ten nations now that are going to dip into their reserves in order to moderate the price. Um, why wouldn't we want to advance as quickly as possible away from that model to a different form of energy, and whether it be electric or whether it be wind or whether it be solar or whether it be uh, hydrogen, whatever the case may be, uh, to fix this problem of having a few people in the world being able to hold the world economy hostage. Tom, my young Republican friend. No, training. it's not a Republican thing. It really isn't. The, the Republicans uh, have been trying to, 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 to prop up the fossil fuel industry for generations. Well, you, you have to start with one place. You have to start, you have to start with not having reliance upon other countries. Um, and we had that. I mean, that was the case. I mean, we were completely self-reliant on our own energy. We could do that. Um, and because of deregulation, I think that stopped greatly. So I think that's added to it. But if you're going to start getting yourself to go on different sources of fuel, you have to be self-reliant so you can control the um, expenses and so that you have money inside of the system to come up with different um, alternatives and to be able to finance them properly. 
Um, uh, and right now, I think people are just scrambling to make sure you can do whatever you can do. And I don't know if that's out there anymore. To I mean, have that sort of dollar. The major uh, automobile manufacturers have certainly realized that they have to uh, embrace this change in technology, or they're going to be left behind, like the horseless, you know, the horse and buggy. Uh, and now you've got GM and Ford and a number of these places saying that they're going to be all EV vehicles by, you know, in the next 15 years. Sure. I mean, that's a, ma- that's a major tipping point. That's a major change, isn't it? Uh, certainly it's a major change. There's no doubt about it, but it's still not going to stop the fact that we still need to have oil. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this on our program, but I've talked about it to many, you know, just because we could have every vehicle in America switching over to oil and gas, and it doesn't mean we can stop oil and gas. It still has to continue. Um, because all of our plastics, medicines, clothing, I mean, all that stuff, the, the glasses I'm wearing, the glasses you probably have Yeah, on. but that, that stuff eventually will be made out of something else. I mean, in our, in our lifetime, fossil fuels will not be needed very much. Or you don't agree with that position? No, I don't disagree with that. I, I think it goes down, and I don't know the percentages, but um, I think it goes down significantly uh, uh, as far as making uh, fuel. Um, but uh, the plastics, we still need to have them. Uh, um, heating our homes, the natural gas, and the liquids that come out of there is where we're getting all of our ethane, which are, you know, right down to our water bottle and the phones that you have in your hand. You know, so we still need to have all this stuff. It's not going away. We can't, there's no alternative that is as prevalent as making that stuff. So the fossil fuels are not going to go away. Um, maybe we're not burning them, but it, it's not going to go away. Maybe we need another another alien crash like Roswell so we can get all of that technology like Teflon and all the other stuff. I'm that hoping. We, yeah. we reportedly got from the Roswell crash. All right, it's uh, we need to break, take a break for some news. We're going to come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. The life of every child is precious beyond measure. If you care for a child with a disability and have limited income and resources, Help is a King Merle Kelch joining us from the Northwoods today. Phone lines are open 715-845-2155. Saw an article quoting the Federal Reserve President Raphael Bostock from the Atlanta Federal Reserve. He says that it could be reasonable for the Fed to potentially conclude its asset purchases by the end of the first quarter next year or early in the second quarter if the economy continues on the same trajectory. At the current pace, Fed officials would be done tapering purchases by the middle of next year. He also reiterated that he is open to speeding up the pace at which the central bank slows down its purchases so officials can have greater flexibility to respond to the inflation problem. So what's the Fed going to do, do you think, here in the next few months to a year? Well, I don't think we're seeing interest rates going up at all. I don't think I don't foresee that happening, <clears throat> at least until the latter part of next year, um, by them stopping the purchase of bonds, um, uh, some corporate, but mainly uh, mortgage-backed securities in the U.S. Um, that should relieve the amount of cash going in the marketplace and have the same effect as raising interest rates. So I think that remains relatively low throughout the course of the year, and that's the tapering they're talking about in the purchasing of bonds. So if they if they stop entirely by mid-year next year, I would almost see that as being a little bit too fast. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not uh, uh, Jerome Powell or any of the Fed chairs. They're a lot smarter than me. Uh, but um, uh, certainly they're going to continue on that path and see how it does with inflation and keeping the market still continue to keep growing. But I think the lower interest rates are going to be here for some time. Um, you know, so with it, we'll see some changes potentially inside of the housing markets, and there's some articles that popped up about that. Um, so if interest rates continue to go up a little bit, which they uh, should as the Federal Reserve stops um, buying them, um, it'll put more market, meaning more price, into those uh, bonds. 
Um, we should probably see mortgage rates go up a little bit, and we'll see that housing market kind of slow down. So that's probably one of the reactions we'll see to the, uh, the interest rates from the you talk, sorry, the tapering from the Federal Reserve. You talk a lot on the program about uh, balancing the portfolio and, and keeping mm-hmm. it diversified. How do you do that when bond prices are just not where you want them to be? Uh, you've talked in, in the recent past about how it's very difficult for you to find bonds that are, are priced at a, at a price that you want to buy them at. Uh, so how do, you, how do you continue to balance a portfolio when that's the situation? Uh, Tom, it's actually a, a really, really good question. You probably don't even know how good it is. Oh, I think I know how good it is. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well you get this. Um, you know, so in here that with the bonds, uh, you use bonds inside of a portfolio as a stabilizing factor because bonds are not inside of the stock market. And so if you're having a knee-jerk reaction like today, your bond portfolio is probably not having much of a reaction at all, if at all. So the difficulty is, is that the bond market marketplace itself and the bond prices are just so high you can't buy reasonably good bonds at a good interest rate right now or what's called the yield of maturity if you're looking at it that way. So, so with it, you have to find some sort of an alternative that has that same stabilizing factor inside of a portfolio. And, and so there's a number of places you can go with that. Um, um, you, can, you can do it through what uh, you call uh, bank share funds or um, uh, you know, funds that are called, oh, geez, if I knew the name of it right now, it would work really, really well for me. Uh, floating rate funds where you can have there um, some convertible bonds that have been uh, pretty good. And convertible bonds are bonds that are tied to a stock. And if that stock goes up, you can convert it from the stock standpoint and still make some money and still have the stability of part of the bond for a while. So so in that, these are the areas that you're putting your money for those dollars um, uh, so you have that stabilizing factor. Um, there's some other things that you can do too, Tom. And let's say um, you're retired right now and you plan on having a, a, an income, and you can use some things such as uh, having your normal sort of a stock portfolio uh, but not have any bonds inside of it, but that money that might be inside of bonds, I'm putting it to, say, an annuity of one fashion. I'm not going to talk about one annuity versus another, but you can put it to an annuity of one fashion that could have a guaranteed income or have an income stream associated with it that would act like the income stream that you'd get from a bond portfolio. And so that income stream would be completely separate and aside from the stock market going up and down, and you know that that money is going to be there. So that's another alternative you can do. But there are places that are out there where you can add some stability to a portfolio um, and uh, at the same time uh, protect yourself from the rising interest rates and uh, falling bond prices, which are really inevitable at this point in time since interest rates are so low. Um, but, again, that's where you talk with your, like, you know, Tom, we can't say, um, we have to say now financial professional. That's the new word. We have to use that one. That that's what you're calling yourselves that's, these that's, days. That's that's the uh, the new rules. We okay. have to say financial professional. So, <laughs> talk with your financial professional um, about some of those things that might be uh, beneficial to you in your uh, situation. But it all kind of comes down to making sure you're diversified. When so we do have you... a couple of portfolios that came into us, Tom, and that um, the portfolios are, are large um, and they have great assets from good companies, but they're not diversified on the inside. And so, as a result of that, we have to go through and they have some portfolios that are, you know, all bonds and are aggressive types of bonds are going to have some real issues with a rising interest rate environment. So we have to diversify around that, but still keep that, try to keep that stability. So that's where, you know, all my work gets into it because we have to do the calculations and what do we use and which funds and all that sort of stuff and, and putting it together. A lot of fun, but there's going to be a lot of work we have to do now with the potential volatility because of this variant. How can the average investor realize whether or not his portfolio is out of whack? What does he look um, at? A lot of work in reading. Um, 
everybody out more here than he wants to do, probably. <clears throat> yeah, probably. You know, you know. For example, um, I'm not a machinist. I know how machines work. I know how parts are made. I know that they have all these really cool machines that lathe and drill holes and that whole bit. Uh, and I could probably figure it out. But by the time I'd figure it out, it's worth it to have somebody else do it. So we specialize. And so if you're a machinist out there, hats off to you. You you can do stuff more than I can. If you're a roofer, same type of principle. I can figure it out, but I'm not going to do it. And the same thing here. I always recommend going out to the financial professionals in the community and talk with some of them because they're going to be able to find stuff in there where you might not be able to because you don't watch this stuff every day. And and, and uh, make no mistake, Tom, that in the investment world, just because you watch your numbers every day doesn't mean your portfolio is still where it's supposed to be. Um, I'll have a lot of people that say, well, I watch my stuff every day, and, and I can look at it and see that there's mistakes inside the, perfor- in the portfolio from a diversification standpoint. And, and they don't know because they just watch it every day, but they don't know what's on the inside of it. And that's the biggest part of it is how do you fix that? You have to fix the, the mix on the inside. Now, on that mix, let me give you an example. Tom, I make a great pumpkin pie. I'm known as Merle the Pumpkin Pie Maker. Is that right? State champion pumpkin pie maker, matter of fact. Okay, that part might be not true. Well, I'd be but, better than watching you try to roof a house if you talked about being a roofer. <laughs> right? Climbing well, the ladder and getting on the roof, that would be lots is of entertaining the right work. That's the right now. word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I do it, lots of suspenders that will be needed. Um, so, you know, I made a pumpkin pie. It looked great, smelled great, spiced raw, so you could smell the whole thing. I went to taste it, and I forgot the sugar. Okay. So, so um, my whole point is that you don't know what's on the inside. It looks good, but you got to know what's on the inside. And so this pie is going to go to, uh, you know, feed rabbits or something. I don't know because we're not going to eat as bad. <laughs> you throw it on the back, the deer probably don't even want it, right? <laughs> probably not because mm. it has a little spice in it. But you know, so so in here you don't know what's on the inside of a portfolio. Just looking at it and saying I'm up or down doesn't necessarily tell you what's on the inside. And a lot for a lot of people, that's the stuff that's got to get. I'm corrected, especially in times like now where we're going to have a rising interest rate environment. Well, doesn't your uh, your 401k uh, quarterly statement show all of that stuff, the breakdown no. of which stocks are doing well, which segments are doing not well, and all of that, the pie chart and all of that? To a certain degree, but there's no forward-looking. It's a report card. So let me give an example. You know, we talked about, as I said before, Tom, interest rates are probably not going to go up from a Federal Reserve. That's not probably going to be the case. But interest rates are going to go up inside of the bond marketplace and are going to have the same effect as interest rates going up in the Fed because the Federal Reserve is not going to be buying bonds in the open marketplace. They're tapering that off, and that's the taper we hear about. And they'll stop purchases, as the uh, was it the Atlanta chair you were just talking about said. Um, uh, they're going to stop purchases uh, coming up by mid-year next year. That just simply means they're not buying that money coming out of the bonds. And so when they're not buying the money, the Federal Reserve isn't putting cash into the system. Now it's going to go to the normal open market price, which is going to raise the price, raise interest rates, um, and it's going to start dropping bond prices. None of this stuff will ever be explained inside of a 401k statement um, or knowing that it's going to happen in the future. It's just not there. So if you don't know and you have those types of investments, you have the potential of suffering the consequences of a rising interest rate environment, which means bond portfolios are going to drop in value. Um, So whether it's in your 401k or not. So this conversation... Um, should be happening, folks, with your financial professional now, if it's not, if you have bond portfolios. Um, individual bonds, I don't worry about so much because the prices are high right now, but if you have a bond portfolios that you've had for several years, you're still collecting your interest rate, and the prices are just simply going to adjust um, back to a parity or back to the prices they should be at. Um, but going out there, um, there's a potential 
uh, for people to lose some money um, inside of your 401ks and your investments if you're in those types of portfolios at the wrong time and your portfolio is not balanced real well. So let me put that out there as a, as a warning to you guys, to, to everybody listening. Make sure you're talking to, to your financial professional right now if you have bonds, balance funds, um, income funds, and those types of terms instead of 401ks and investments because they have a potential of having some issues over the course of the next several months. And that's the stuff you don't see inside of your statements, and that's the reason that people like me and weirdos that follow the stuff every day um, exist is to hopefully try to navigate people away from the icebergs on their way. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Conley. Women almost in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is on location today. 715-845-2155. We've got a few minutes left. You know, we're about a month out from Christmas and people looking for gift ideas. I, you keep hearing all the time, I, I don't know what to get this person uh, for, for Christmas as a gift. Mm-hmm. What about some of the gifts that might... Oh, I thought you were talking for me, Tom. I was going to give you some ideas. <laughs> yeah, but, no, no. What, what about some of the gifts that might be uh, investment related, you know, from your world, whether it be... Oh, I don't know, coins or or uh, some sort of uh, stock certificates or or gifts that would ha- have some lasting value. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think about that at all? Do people think about that at all? You know, we do quite a bit, actually, Tom. Um, you know, folks, I've said it on this program a bunch of times, and I strongly recommend it. So, if you're grandpa and grandma and you have some uh, some grandkids that are you know hitting eight, nine years old, ten years old. Um, buy some stocks, and you can buy them in your and their name if you choose to. Um, buy some stocks that will get them interested in putting some money away and saving for the future. Um, so we have some uh, some clients that we recently went through. We bought stocks of Harley-Davidson and uh, Disney for two different grandkids, you know, that liked, the, liked you know, motorcycles. One, of course, you know, a young girl liked all the Disney shows. And what we did is we bought shares of them, and I don't remember if we bought 10 or 15 shares each, and then we had them certificated. So it takes it from buying them in streets so that they actually have the paper certificate with, you know, all the artwork on it and that whole bit that you can put up on a wall. So so in doing that then, as time goes on, the kids can be taught that, okay, so here's in a newspaper or online. A newspaper, I'm dating myself. Mm, you are, journal. yes, indeed. Mm. Um, but you look online and you have the price and the kids can, of course, calculate it. I don't see not, this is how much this is worth because the stock went up. We find that it gets the kids interested. And so doing this job for over 30 years now, we find repeatedly that when grandparents do that to grandkids um, or parents do it to their children, um, it gets an interest in the marketplace. There were actually a couple of companies for a long time, the Eaton Vance family, for one, they actually had some investments for kids where they would actually have stuff based upon the mutual funds they would do. Uh, they would go out and send stuff out that would speak directly to the kids and they'd get mail in their name. It was a fantastic idea in getting kids involved. Um, and Certainly so, better uh, than Joe Camel trying to get kids to smoke. Yeah, Healthier no, version. No doubt, of right? Yeah. Um, but but I think it's just a fantastic idea. Now, it might be getting a little bit late in the year to do that, but you still have the ability to come up and, and to say, well, we bought this and you have it coming and send them a, a letter and you can open up the accounts, get it done and purchase a few shares or something. But fantastic way of getting kids involved. How about, um, how about, my, bit, how about Bitcoin as a gift? Well, it's on sale <laughs> <laughs> from where it was, you know, two weeks is, ago. Is it even possible for the average investor to buy that stuff? I mean, I mean it's getting easier in there. I, I've seen advertising, advertisements for uh, you can buy Bitcoin or you can buy cryptocurrency yeah. at this address or whatever the case may Tom, be. Thomas, it's so easy to buy Bitcoin. All you have to do is get a cash app or 
on one of these sort of things, and uh, if it's anything that has to do with uh, Square, um, they'll say, "Hey, you want to put a couple of uh, bucks inside of Bitcoin, and they'll actually buy it for you." And you're still you you're still not on board. I'm not on board. No, not at all. Um, again, you're buying a computer program. You're not buying actually a hard asset. I think eventually there'll be a cryptocurrency out there that's going to be dynamite because I like the idea. Um, I just think when we're buying a computer program just based upon what somebody else wants to do, uh, with no hard asset behind it, I just think it's a wrong path to go down. I don't think it's going to benefit us all. And the volatility, as we just saw. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that everybody who has uh, <clears throat> cryptocurrency or a little bit is really pleased about a 20% loss in the last two weeks. Now, they'll also say, well, it can go up 20% in the next two weeks, and it very well could, but it's that amount of volatility that most people, um, especially my client demographic, um, um, are really not into. We really don't want that type of volatility. What about precious metals as gifts, gold, silver, precious coins? Precious metals are great stuff. Um, a number of years ago, I went out and bought um, uh, Morgan Dollars uh, for all the kids, and so I gave all the kids a Morgan Dollar. One, because, again, they can do the calculation and see what it is. Um, and then at the same time, they get the antiquity value of looking at a coin from the 1860s. Um, and so that sort of stuff is really a cool idea for kids. Now, at one point in time, I went out and I bought all the kids ounces of silver, and they looked at it and looked at it. I was, you know, what, what am I doing with this square piece of junk, you know? So, <laughs> Hopefully so they didn't stuff it in a drawer somewhere and forget about where it was. Oh, I'm sure it is someplace. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the reason it wasn't a 100-ounce block, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that sort of stuff, I think, is really neat to get our, our kids involved. Um, um, and getting the kids inside of uh, investing and saving, of course, is never a bad idea. As we all know, you start saving when you're young, it amasses to be something major as you're a little bit older. As everyone who's watched Mary Poppins knows about the Tuppins, so yes. All right, well, we're just about out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you, are you going to be in the office on Monday? I will be in the office Monday. I will actually be shaved. I will have this thing off my face. <laughs> and uh, I will be shaved. I will be bathed. I will uh, look beautiful. I'll have a clean, fresh, pressed shirt on. And uh, we'll Fantastic. be Fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Third Avenue Bridge Street wants to stop on in and say hello. Come on in. Have a cup of coffee. Uh, kick the tires, whatever you need to be. Have a cup of coffee and uh, give us a call locally. 715-849-3600. Outside of the WAS area at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelchandassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again down the road. All right, buddy. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up as well. And it's Badger football this afternoon. Wisconsin taking on Minnesota. The Paul Bunyan Axe game with a win. Wisconsin clinches the Big Ten.